Welcome to the Renovate Church Sermon Podcast. At Renovate Church, we are passionate about teaching God's Word in such a way that you really get to know the heart and character of God and where you can apply the truth of Scripture to every aspect of living. We believe that God's Word is relevant and has the power to transform your life. We're excited for this most recent sermon and we hope it blesses and encourages you. time of worship. Amen. 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 I'm so appreciative of Sarah and uh, some of the team that came this morning. And uh, sounds like a little bit of an echo in here. A little bit. It's all right. So guys, I'm excited. We're in this series, uh, DNA, which is the core mission of the church. And we've just been kind of working through, looking at key aspects to the mission. And this morning, I want to talk about this idea that at the very center of the gospel is this idea that change is possible. That change is possible. We're going to look at a passage of scripture in 2 Corinthians because this is important because religion actually just binds us up more. And the gospel actually is is a completely different message. It's a completely different thing. And Paul's going to address this in 2 Corinthians, and we're going to look at that. And then we're going to look at an Old Testament example of what real change looks like and transformation looks like uh, that we can apply to our lives. And so on the screen, uh, if you're following along, we're going to be in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, starting in verse 7. The Apostle Paul, in this section of scripture is going to talk about the difference between the old covenant and the new covenant, the new testament, and the glory of this new covenant. Let's read. It says, now, starting in verse 7, if the ministry that brought death, which was engraved in letters on stone, came with glory. So he's talking about this Old Testament when Moses went up to meet with God and met with him and God gave him these 10 commandments. And when actually Moses was in the presence of God, Moses's countenance was changed. He actually had glory on him from from being in the presence. He was being transformed. And so this is what this is picking up. But what what the Apostle Paul is saying here is, like, listen, do you you realize that the Old Testament, all the law, was just simply a mirror showing you what you look like and a bar showing you that what you actually couldn't do. And so Paul's going to pick up on this, and he says, if the ministry that brought death... (laughs) which was engraved in letters on stone, the Ten Commandments came with glory so that the Israelites could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of its glory. So Moses had been so impacted, so transformed, that the people of Israel couldn't even look at him because he shone so brightly. They couldn't look steadily at the face of Moses because of its glory. Transitory 
though it was, or temporary. This whole, that whole thing was just temporary. It was transitory. Will not the ministry of the Spirit be even more glorious? If the ministry that brought condemnation was glorious, I mean, think about that. Moses went up, met with God, gets the Ten Commandments, and, and it was glorious, and it was just simply, again, showing them what they weren't going to actually be able to do. If the ministry that brought condemnation was glorious, how much more glorious is the ministry that brings righteousness? Way more glorious. For what was glorious past has no glory now in comparison with the surpassing glory. And if what was temporary or transitory came with glory, how much greater is the glory of that which lasts, that's eternal. So he's comparing these two, two things here about this, this old covenant and this new covenant. And he's saying, hey, listen, this new covenant is so much more powerful and so much more glorious. Look what he goes on to say. Therefore, a transition, since we have such a hope we are very bold. Since we have such a hope, what, what hope is he talking about? He's talking about everything he's been writing for three and a half chapters, saying, listen, you have to understand that this new covenant gives you fuller access. It gives you better promises, and it gives you surpassing glory. Therefore, since we have such a hope, we are very bold. We are not like Moses, who would put a veil over his face to prevent the Israelites from seeing the end of what was passing away. If you go back and read the Old Testament story, and there's a principle here that I'll come back to in this, but Moses, when he was in the presence of God, his countenance changed. He actually was was glorious, and because he didn't want the Israelites to see the glory fading or passing away, he put a veil over his face so that the people couldn't see it. And we do that all the time. It's called not wanting to show people our weaknesses. This is what, what Moses said. Hey, I don't want people to see my humanity, my frailty, the fact that this, this glory is fading away. So he put this veil over his face, but watch what happened. But there, the Israelites' minds were made dull. Dull. Anytime, like, God does not want us to be dull in the spirit where we're just going through the motions of religion. But their minds were made dull, for to this day, the same veil remains when the old covenant is read. It has not been removed, because only in Christ is it taken away. Even to this day, when Moses is read, a veil covers their hearts. 
He's getting into something here. God doesn't want us, again, walking around with a religious veil over our hearts and minds. He wants us walking in, such, in a dynamic way with the Lord where we're experiencing him and encountering him and hearing him, and he's transforming us. He's changing us. They were going through stagnation in religion. Look at what Paul wraps up by saying. But whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. The veil drops off of our eyes, off of our minds, off of our hearts to see who, who he really is. Now, the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. This is at the very heart of the gospel. The very heart of the gospel is transformation is possible, and freedom is possible. And we all, who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory, contemplate means to behold, gaze, reflect upon. We who with unveiled faces, that's what? Taking off our masks. It's taking off our masks and our veils. We who with unveiled faces behold the glory, gaze upon, reflect upon, look at the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Guys, this is the gospel concentrated. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. We, with unveiled faces, contemplate that we're being what? Transformed into his image. The Bible uses the word metanoa, or metamorphosi, that's the word for transformation. It's really something that happens on the inside. It's not things that primarily happen on the outside. It's an intro. The best picture that we can get of metamorphosi, metanoa, that, that, that gives us a, a picture of this is the caterpillar. The caterpillar starts out as just this gross, ugly insect. But it has within it all the DNA. It doesn't have to put a costume on and act like a butterfly. All it needs is time and to feed on the right things. And what will happen is it will begin to metamorphosize into what God created it to be, which was a butterfly. That's the process that Paul is talking about here. Paul would know. Paul wrote of his own story of how he was a man who was bound in anger. He was bound in religion. He was bound in pride. He was killing Christians. He was persecuting the church. And Paul writes about his own story and he says, 
Hey, listen, you have to understand that God showed his surpassing mercy to me, the chief of all sinners, so that in the ages to come, he might show his incomparable riches and mercy to others who would believe. Paul had all the religion. He had all the religious trapping. He had all that. What, what, what changed him was a personal encounter with Jesus. On the road to Damascus, it, it's what changed him. So what does this look like? I love one of the translations that I read this week, taking that same verse, and it says this, when we with unveiled faces are beholding and reflecting on the glory of the Lord, he, God, infuses us with the elements of what he is and what he has done. Thus, we are being transformed metabolically to have his life, power, and essence shape our lives and thus are transformed. See, God wants to change us from the inside out. And every single one of us here, there comes a point in our life at many different junctures, where actually the cry of our heart is, God, change me. Change this situation. Change this loved one. Change this circumstance. God, God, change me. About five weeks ago, I went on a Thursday night, back when I first moved here, Willie Hendricks, one of our elders, invited me to go play poker with a group of guys. And they play every Thursday night. And it's a somewhat rough group. And uh, Willie would always tell me, man, I really feel like I'm called to be here to be a witness. And I'm praying for these guys. So I went, drove to the house in Round Rock where they were going to play. and It's a very small buy-in, which is wonderful because I'm not very good. And I get there, and there's a game going on before the official game starts at 7.30. And I walk in, and the guy who's running it that night, he's working on his computer, getting people set up, taking money, all this stuff. And he looks up, and he looks down, and then he looks up again. He goes, Wow! We haven't seen you in a while. I said, yeah, I just had a free night. I wanted to pop over and play a little bit. And he goes, man, I've been so wanting to see you because I wanted to tell you that two months ago, I surrendered my life to Jesus. And I'm born again. You have to understand, this was a rough guy. Like my first experience there of going to poker, I mean, I felt like it took a lot of the Holy Spirit in me because like he was being very crass and rude to me and very short and dismissive. And, you know, I'm kind of like, dude, I could still take you out back a little bit. 
<laughs> you want to go? <laughs> Lord, no. <laughs> anyway, carnal thoughts that run through your brain. Sizing him up. I think I can take him. <laughs> anyway, shares with me. I said, I said man, dude, that's, that's amazing. What happened? He said, I don't know how well you know me, but for most of my life, I've been an alcoholic. And uh, I got to the place about two months ago where I just said on my bed at night, Jesus, I believe that you are real. I believe that you are who you say you are. And I'm asking you to come in and change me. And he said, he did. He said he, he took the desire for alcohol and he began to heal me from things from my past and da-da-da-da-da. And he said, now I love God and I'm going to church and I love his word and I'm reading his word. And I was just this week. And then the guys, this, it was about 10 minutes, they said, hey guys, we want to get the game started. <laughs> and he said he's going to come to church one of these Sundays. And he said, hey, where's your church? And I want to come and hear you preach. And he was telling me about a guy that he was following a podcast and I ended up sending him a little five-minute video from Jay Warner Wallace, who was a detective out in California that it was a non-believer and ended up seeking to disprove Christianity, ended up becoming a Christian. But here's the bottom line. He got to a place, he said, God, I change me. And the gospel, what Paul's talking about here, is the gospel has the ability for every single one of us, no matter what circumstance we're in, he can change us. And that's good news because we all need transformation. I need transformation. I need to behold the glory of the Lord and be changed and softened and look more like Jesus and care like Jesus and love like Jesus because the world will get you jaded. But when I'm with Jesus, we're with him. What happens is those things begin to drop off. And change begins to happen. The Bible calls it a new creation. Let's look at an example in the Old Testament of this. It's found in 2 Kings chapter 5. I'll start in verse 1. It's a man named Naaman. He was a Syrian general, incredibly accomplished. Look at what scripture says. Now Naaman was commander of the army of the king of Aram. The Bible actually says he was a great man in the sight of his master and highly regarded because through him the Lord had given victory to Aram. He was a valiant soldier. So look at what it says about him. He was a commander. He was great. He was highly regarded. He was victorious. He was a valiant soldier. But then scripture just gives these four words. But he had leprosy. 
It's a picture, an Old Testament picture of our life, of brokenness and sin. And it bothered him. Many times he would put his whole uniform on with his decorations and medals just to hide the leprosy. I can't let anybody see this leprosy. Verse 2, now bands of raiders from Aaron had gone out and taken captive a young girl from Israel. And she served Naaman's wife. She said to her mistress, if only my master would see the prophet who is in Samaria, he would cure him of his leprosy. Wow, what a bold person. She knew her God. She knew her God. Naaman went to his master and told him what the girl from Israel had said. By all means go, the king of Aram replied. I will send a letter to the king of Israel. So Naaman left, taking with him ten talents of silver, six thousand shekels of gold, and ten sets of clothing. He was traveling like Puff Daddy. He was traveling like Jay-Z and Beyonce. <laughs> it was going on like a three-day trip and take 186 suitcases. I saw that on TV one time. I was like, wow. Tato comes all the way from Columbia with just one duffel bag and looks good every day. So Naaman left taking 10 talents of silver, 6,000 shekels of gold, and 10 sets of clothing. I think he thinks that he's probably going to have to buy transformation. It can't be bought. The letter that he took to the king of Israel read, with this letter, I'm sending my servant Naaman to you so that you may cure him of his leprosy. As soon as the king of Israel read the letter, he freaked out. That's my translation. He tore his robes and said, am I God? Can I kill and bring back to life? Why does this fellow send someone to me to be cured of his leprosy? See how he is trying to pick a quarrel with me. When Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his robes, he sent him a message. Why have you torn your robes? Question mark. Have the man come to me, and he will know that there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman went with his horses and chariots and stopped at the door of Elisha's house. Elisha sent a messenger to him, go wash yourself seven times the number of completion in the Jordan and your flesh will be restored and you will be cleansed. But Naaman went away angry and said, I thought that he would surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God, wave his hand over the spot. In other words, this big moment, this big thing that needs to happen. Okay, I'm a very important person, and I'm going to come in, and he's going to do all this ceremonial stuff, and it's going to be big. It's going to be fireworks and a big moment, and then God's going to heal me. Are not Abana and Farpar, the rivers of Damascus and Syria, better than the waters of Israel? Couldn't I wash in them and be cleansed? So he turned and went off in a rage. 
Naaman's servants went to him and said, My father, if the prophet had told you to do some great thing, would you not have done it? How much more then when he tells you a simple thing, wash and be cleansed? In other words, transformation costs God a lot, but it's easy for you and I. The access is easy, but it was going to cost Naaman something, namely his pride. Naaman, I'm going to ask you to humble yourself and to go down into the Jordan River and dip seven times in obedience. And when you do it, God's going to honor your obedience and your step of faith and your trust in him. And he's going to transform you. Many times God doesn't ask us to do these incredible things. He asks us to do simple things. Like one time when I was really struggling with something. And it was like God said, go to April and just tell her and confess. And I did. And God worked in it. And God restored. And God healed. And God delivered and set me free. It was a simple thing. Go, confess or ask help of a brother. Go, confess this to a brother. Go, and, and, and watch what God does. Naaman's servants went to him and said, My father, the prophet had told you to do some great thing. Would you not have done it? How much more then when he tells you this simple thing, wash and be cleansed? So Naaman went down and dipped himself in the Jordan seven times as the man of God had told him, and his flesh was restored and became clean like that of a young boy. Hallelujah. Come on. Where are you needing Jesus? transform you. He has the power to do it. He has the ability to do it. Transformation is a process. It's a process. But where this morning? Truly. God, change me. Change this situation. Change this person. Change my home. He has the power to do it. We all need transformed. Come on, what is it this morning? Is it fear in your life? God. Fear? Is it anger? God, I really need you to work in this situation. God, is it a spouse? God, I really need you to work in this situation. I really need you to change hearts. I need you to change minds. Is it a child? God, I need you to change this person.
the Bible is full of examples. When Jesus came, what did he do? He changed people. He broke addiction. He broke shame. He broke bondages. He broke fear. He healed. He delivered. People were changed. Let me end with this, and we'll have the worship team come up now. When we were just starting in ministry, April and I, we were doing a conference in Orlando. We were reaching out to professional athletes at the time, and lots of professional athletes were getting really ministered to and saved. Entertainers and athletes can be very messy. It's very messy. And one of the places that we were reaching out to was Indianapolis. And a friend of mine invited me to come up and we did a Bible study the first night. And Jeff Saturday and his wife, Karen, Karen ended up giving her life to the Lord that night. She was just weeping at the end of the message. And uh, Jeff and Karen still serving the Lord to this day. Jeff works for ESPN. And one of the guys who was there was a punter for the Colts, played at Notre Dame, Hunter Smith. And Hunter was there, and we talked afterwards, and Hunter was really following the Lord and got involved with what we were doing. So we went down a couple years later to do this conference in Orlando, and we're sitting there by the pool, and April remembers this. Here comes this guy, considered one of the most crazy guys in the NFL. Played defensive tackle for the Chicago Bears. And he comes walking up to us, we're all sitting there by the pool, and here comes this guy, he's huge. And Hunter Smith sees him, and Hunter Smith literally, it almost visibly looked like his head spun. He, 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 he did that three or four times. And Hunter, this, this gentleman, Paul Grassmanis, says, hey, Hunter, how are you? And Hunter was stunned. He said, Paul? He says, yeah. He says, what are you doing here? He says, I'm here for the conference. I know. What are you doing here? He says, Jesus got a hold of my life. And Hunter turns to us. He says, you guys don't have to understand that this guy was the craziest guy. He would pick up vending machines in our locker room in college at Notre Dame and throw them and just fight and, and all this stuff. And he goes, if he can change Paul Grass Manus, he can change anyone. Anyone. Guys, DNA, the core mission of the church, the core mission of the church, the gospel allows us to change and be transformed and then be a part of seeing other people people 
transformed because 2 Corinthians 4 goes on to say that God has given us, now that we have been transformed, this message of reconciliation that we're called to go into the world to see other people transformed as they behold him through us. Guys, there's no hopeless case and change is possible. They're gonna lead us in a song as we go out. We'll have our prayer team down here again. Guys, I'm telling you if, you, if you need change in any area, just ask. All Naaman had to do, he just went. He asked. He trusted. He obeyed. And God took away his leprosy. Hey, we are so glad that you joined us for our service this morning. If you are interested in learning about how you can start a relationship with Jesus, we would love to be here to talk that through with you. The Bible says in 1 John 5, 12, that whoever has the Son has life. And we really believe that here at Renovate. So again, if you want to start a relationship with Jesus, if you're just interested in learning more about the faith, you have questions, we'd love to hear from you as well. Or if you want to grow as a follower of Jesus or get more involved in what we're doing, we'd love to hear from you. So just go ahead and comment on the platform that you're at or reach out to us by email at info at renovatechurch.com. Again, we're so glad you were able to join us. We hope you have a great week and we look forward to hearing from you soon.